Welcome to the Untamed and Unashamed podcast. This is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability, compassion, bravery, and openness that we can muster. Along with the help of guests from all walks of life, we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning, and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are, while also uncovering our divine gifts. I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so thankful that you're here. Our guest today is a good friend of mine that has played such a big role in my healing journey through his work around the healed masculine. Recently, he has started to work around the healed feminine, and I'm so excited to dive into that work with him today as I know it will stretch me and push my edges. And I can't think of a better person to do that with here on the show because of his level of depth in his space holding. He has a passion for helping people become the best versions of themselves as an international speaker, author, and executive coach for high-performing leaders in pressure-rich environments. He helps successful and incredible busy professionals connect to their purpose, communicate bold visions, and lead meaningful change. He co-hosts the Great Man Within podcast, a show for high-performing men exploring the realms of purpose, masculinity, and sex. He also runs the Great Man Mastermind, a community of high caliber and high character men living their greatest purpose. He is a two-time author of Design Your Future and On Purpose Leadership. His mission is to lead 10 million men to live their potential over the next 10 years. He is truly filling the void this world has of healthy sexual role models. Please help me welcome Dominic Cortusio to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. What's up, beautiful? Okay, Dom. So like last time, I'm going to kick off this conversation with a big love shower. Um, I want to thank you for always seeing the divine feminine in me, for seeing my heart and all that I do. It feels like each time I embark on a new journey, you're right there cheering me on and reminding me I'm a queen and that has been so healing and does far more than you probably know. You've been such a light and your encouragement has been fuel for me because a lot of times I'll like do something that's like, and I know I'm supposed to do it because I'm scared to do it but I do it and it's like, there's crickets, but then there, and then you pop up and you're like, I feel your heart. I see your divine feminine. And it really, it's like really, really healing. And in that, what has been so healing is just feeling truly seen. Um, you know, your feedback about the tantric retreat or about my only fans transition, whatever it is, I truly see, feel seen for my innermost being in my heart. And that's what we're all craving. That's what the world is craving is to feel seen for who we are, for our innermost being and, and also for who we want to be, but like to be seen as already that. And so I want to thank you for gifting me that. And I I hope you feel it from me too. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I totally feel that. Thank you for the love shower. I like that. I like the (laughs) name of that. And, you know, one more acknowledgement while we're on the air is, you know, right before we started recording, you talked about how you love this new distinction of instead of being brave out of necessity for Mm -hmm. life's conditions that were really hard for you growing up, you're now stepping into this brave by choice. Mm -hmm. And that's because that's who you are as you're being like, you are a brave woman. You talk about things, you step into spaces that can receive criticism that other people may not understand Mm-hmm. and, and you stand tall, you take, you know, you, you take some licks too, and you keep coming back. So 
Yeah, I see that in you and I respect that. And I will Mm -hmm. always tell you when I see it. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're talking all things emotional foreplay today. And and like when you hear emotional foreplay before you break it down, before you have your definition, you, you like your mind can go all different ways of what that can be. So can you just tell us what emotional foreplay is? And then maybe also like what brought this amazing concept into your life? Oh my goodness. So yeah, we're going to talk emotional foreplay and specifically emotional foreplay for the man in your life. Okay. And Mm -hmm. this is, this is as a response to so many women have been begging me, how do you get men to open up? Right. And I'm, I'm a men's coach. I run mastermind. Well, I I think probably the more accurate way of saying it is I'm a leader of men's communities. I don't really do any one-on-one coaching. I've had three masterminds over the last three years where I've run 200 workshops for guys, nine in-person retreats, and I see all the time men opening up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the psychological safety conditions need to be uh, in place for men to want to open up. Mm-hmm. So what is emotional foreplay? The short definition of emotional foreplay is the art of inviting your man to open up emotionally in a way that feels good for both of you. So it's the art of inviting your man, not forcing your man, not manipulating your man, Mm -hmm. but inviting your man to open up emotionally in a way that feels good for both of you. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to make it even, if I'm going to bring out more nuance, the longer definition is emotional foreplay is the art of creating psychologically safe conditions to invite your man to drop his inner armor open up vulnerably and emotionally in a way that feels good for the both of you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that you use the word invite and invitation because anytime you have an invitation, it's a gift. It's not, it's not something that you even have to show up for. Um, And so, and you know, like when you first posted about this, I don't remember how long ago it was, but I remember the very first time that I saw it, it like, it really hit me in a way that helped me understand this differently because of the word foreplay. Um, Because there's not a, there's not a woman I know that doesn't need foreplay for sex. It's painful without it, like physically painful without foreplay. Um, It's, it's almost like disrespectful too, you know? Yeah. And it never occurred to me that men could need foreplay for conversation and for emotionally opening up the way that a yoni opens up with physical foreplay. And I've had plenty of partners in the past walk up to me with condom and a lube in their hands. Let's go. Yeah. As you if ready? I just drop my panties and be ready and, and like right there, just, you know, completely open. And I'm a very, very sexual being. So you'd think that that would be possible, but you know, a lot of times we're in, like, I could be in my creativity box or in my parenting box or whatever box I'm in. And I feel like men are often in boxes as well. Sometimes the nothing box, like whatever box it's going to be, but it, it feels like, um, it just made it make sense in a way of like, Oh, it's like moving them out of that box into this box of, you know, uh, the way that we move a woman into this box of, um, ready for sex. We're like moving them into a box of like ready for conversation, but that's basically what that condom and, and a lube 
example is like basically what we're doing to a man when we walked up to walk up to him and just like bluntly ask a question that we could easily ask a girlfriend probably like I could easily go up to a girlfriend and ask a question and it feel like yeah like let's talk about it that was already on my mind you know um but it's so it's just so crazy to me how different our brains are um and I'm so excited to dive into it with you and I know we can both teach all day about foreplay to get a woman to open up sexually so I'd love to talk about um this emotional foreplay and how to create the safety here? Like what are some steps and practices for it? Yeah. And you know, you, you said it, Jade, you know, one of the things that I don't know, maybe I wrote about this a year and a half ago that really seemed to resonate with women was this really short little meme about just like most women need more foreplay to open up sexually. Mm -hmm. Most men need emotional foreplay to open up emotionally. Mm -hmm. And you know, uh, so I, I decided to, after a year, year and a half, there were so many women who were like, please teach a course on this, do something like that. And, and I ran this masterclass a couple of weeks ago, which you and I talked about. I, I was hoping to get 200 women who are interested to sign up for it. 800 women ended up signing up for oh, it. Incredible. I was blown away. Like in, and it's it, so cool. Cause you're not just changing like 800 women's life. You're changing their partner's life and right. their kids' lives because of what they're experiencing, you know, like it just ripples. So, so beautiful. That, 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 that you're right. And I could feel that when it was happening and you know, what was really cool at the start of the class was just asking women, you know, what did it, what does it feel like when, you know, you invite your man to open up to you and he doesn't mm-hmm. right. And disconnection. I feel alone. I feel isolated. I feel sad. I feel abandonment issues, right? Like all of these different feelings. And I see your, your mind going somewhere. Like, what does it feel like for you, Jade, when, when you're in? Well, my mind went to how many men that walked up to me with lube and condom felt rejected when I was like, what? Right. Cause they took it personal, but I was like, what are you doing? Like, I, (laughs) you know, like, we haven't kissed all day, you know, right. like, and, and I also started to think about how sexual foreplay does not start 30 minutes before you want sex. Right. It starts that day when you hug her before work, when you t- send her that loving text. And it, it kind of feels like this emotional foreplay is the same way. If you're sending, yes. if you're saying passive aggressive things or like you, you know, he can feel your anger and your discontent. And then all of a sudden you shift because you want him to open up to you just like a man might shift because he wants sex all of a sudden. It's not going to work then either. Like the foreplay starts long before. Um, But when, yeah, when I try to get a man to open up to me and he doesn't, um, for me, I feel like I'm not trusted. Um, And I know in a lot of my relationships, a lot of like mother wounds for, just like my own father wounds have come into play here. But a lot of times I feel not trusted. And I also feel like, um, disconnected, like I want to be with my best friend and we can't talk, you know? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that's it. Like one of your ways of being seen, one of your ways of being trusted is through the emotional connection. Right. And for men, oftentimes, like one of the ways that we, we feel loved is through sexual connection. Right. It's just like the, that's not for everybody, but for, for most men like that, that's and myself personally, I feel loved in connection through sexual connection in addition to emotional. Mm-hmm. But one of the really cool key distinctions about a woman's role in her, you know, so if we're talking about women and men in relationship, a woman's role in relationship with getting her, inviting her man to open up emotionally is that she is the leader 
in the emotional foreplay. She's the container holder versus when it's sexual foreplay, oftentimes the man is the one who's responsible for leading. And this understanding that you are now in the driver's seat, you are now the container holder when it comes to calibrating his heart and whether he's open and whether he's ready to be penetrated emotionally. Because how does it feel when five minutes before a guy wants to get it on, he comes to you with the condom and the lube and he's like, are you ready? And then when you're not and he gets agitated, it causes further shutdown in you, in your mm-hmm. body. And like you were, you're the point you were making earlier, Jade, uh, you know, the question I asked, uh, you know, I ask women is, Hey, when does really good foreplay happen? Happens all the time, mm-hmm. right? It's not five minutes before sex, not 30 minutes before sex, like you're saying, which sometimes could happen, but really good foreplay is happening all the time. And what is really good foreplay for women sexually? It's stoking the flames of desire. It's calibrating her body. It's maybe taking something out of her life that's stressful for her without her needing to ask you. It's maybe giving some sexual touch without needing to pounce on it in that moment so she can feel sexual touch without always leading to sex in that moment. There are an infinite number of ways to stoke the flames of desire sexually. And by the way, this whole conversation is going to be wrapped in a sexual innuendo, like in, in sexual <laughs> meta- metaphor, yeah. because uh-huh. it's it, like, it's amazing how much this carries over. And it's a so language we can understand. It's exactly because like you've been on the business end of either good foreplay or bad foreplay, you know how it feels for you. And so when it comes to men, really good emotional foreplay allows us to feel like it's safe to open up a little bit at a time that, you know, that it's not necessarily going to be on your terms or how fast you want it to happen or the depth that you want it to happen. But it's, it's like where we are and what we're ready for. And I think before we go any further here, I think it's really important to say this. And I I remember like starting off in the masterclass, like saying this, there are men who are simply not interested and not ready whatsoever to open up emotionally. Mm -hmm. And you have to realize if you're, if you're with a man like that, because if a man has given you enough evidence over time that he's not interested in being emotional, but you see his potential and you try and he keeps pushing you away and nothing, mm-hmm. then please, by God, just listen to him and understand that like he is, he's just not ready to do this thing and do what you need to do. Like if you've invited him to open up and he won't enough times, then maybe you're just not with a guy who has that capacity to. Mm-hmm. But there are men who do show that they want to open, that they maybe have before. Um, and maybe there are just some, some, some things that we, that we're going to talk about in a few moments here that if you were to apply them, he would feel safer and softer to open. I just want to make that distinction because you could end up trying this emotional foreplay with someone who's just not interested for years and then find yourself really frustrated and tired. Like a lot of women I know have. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like, um, you know, you can compare, not, I don't want to use the word compare, but you can, um, you can look at it as if it's a woman who isn't responding to foreplay because she, uh, is sexually repressed or holds a lot of sexual shame or has sexual trauma. So there's this like, um, part here of, of 
if his emotions are so deeply suppressed, but he's not working on them through right. men's works or books or whatever podcast. Um, and he has some sort of emotional shame or emotional trauma where he can't open up to a woman. Maybe there's mother wounds there. Maybe there's, um, past lover wounds, but yeah, it feels like if that work isn't being done, if he, if he's not available for it, just like a woman's not available for, um, healing her sexuality, then it doesn't. Yeah. So, um, have compassion. You can have compassion, mm-hmm. but if that person's not interested in work, then no, no amount of foreplay is going to get her to open up sexually or him to open up emotionally. Yeah. And, and there's so many other ways to look at it too, of like, when, when the foreplay is beautiful, when the connection is beautiful, but, but when you truly accept her, we talked about this on the last show, when you truly accept her for who she is and, um, you know, all the things of like, nothing gross can come out of her body. You love the way she smells all of it. That's when her animal comes out. That's when she's Mm. fully expressed. So in the emotional foreplay, if you can, um, when he does show up, when he does um, open up, if you can love him for all of the shadowy parts, if you can accept him for all of those parts um, that may have not been what you would have mocked up was going to come out. That's right. Then that's when that animal is going to be unleashed as well. That's when it's going to come out to, you know, so you can look at it that way as well. And I love that you said, um, that the women are the leaders in in this emotional foreplay and the men are the leaders in the sexual foreplay. Cause I hear so many complaints from men that women never initiate sex. And so right. many complaints from women that men never initiate the connecting conversations, you know, right. but it makes so much sense. Like, and it, I think it doesn't make sense to men that women don't initiate it because they, you know, men want that too. Um, but yeah, I mean, us women, we would love for y'all to sit us down and ask, like, ask us some deep questions and just right. gaze into our eyes and connect with us in conversation. But it's not, yeah, it's not where we're like built to lead it. And so I like that there's this like, um, because also there's this like thought around polarity of like, you lead and I'll surrender, you take the, you know, but uh, really owning that um, this is, this is part of our this is part of our initiatress role. This is part of our priestess role. Um, and, uh, yeah, like taking that frame off of like, he has to lead and like allowing yourself to lead in this way. Um, because I think, I think that can be so crippling, like just not being willing to lead in any way. Cause you want your man to lead in all areas, you know? Yeah. Well, you have, you have such a beautiful opportunity to open up to, to lead from a feminine from the feminine. And yeah, I pulled up a quote here from your girl, Layla Martin, um, because she wrote something earlier this year that was like, yes, you gave me the words to like what I've been trying to say for so long. And she said, when it comes to opening a man's heart, you have to learn heart foreplay. Mm. So she calls it heart foreplay, right? Mm -hmm. And she goes, unlike sex, where a man's penis is penetrating a woman's vagina is receiving with the heart, it switches the feminine heart penetrates and the masculine heart receives. Mm -hmm. So just like when a man penetrates too quickly during sex, creating shutdown and disconnection in a woman, when you penetrate a man too quickly emotionally, you can close, you can close his heart and be met with emotional shutdown, disconnection, and even aggression. And I think this is a point 
she says it beautifully. And this is the point where I think it's helpful for women to understand why men are so reluctant to open up emotionally and vulnerably. Because if you can start to understand this, then you'll understand some of the layers that you have to work through in order for that armor to come down. And, and I'd really like women to think about that most guys, many guys have like a three inch thick steel plate of inner armor that has been built up over our hearts. It's a chastity belt. <laughs> right. A chastity belt to, to, to keep our emotions back, yeah. right. From, from feeling, because from a very early age, we know that boys and men, bo- boys are taught that you can't be manly if you're emotional, emotions are a liability. But even as we get older, you know, there are like one of the, the number one fear that men have in opening up emotionally to their woman is that it will change the way you look at us. Mm. And to a man, every single guy that I've spoken to about this has had the experience of opening up vulnerably to their woman. And it has in, in her eye uh, in, in some woman's eyes, it's changed the way she's looked at him. She's had less respect for him. She's not as sexually attracted to him anymore. Um, she gets angry at him. And this is really important to pull in some real feminist perspectives here, like a Brene Brown and Brene's not necessarily a feminist, but you know, she's, she's more of an expert around shame and vulnerability Mm -hmm. and bell hooks. Who's a legendary feminist Mm -hmm. author. Mm -hmm. Brene Brown has a quote there where she says, men are really smart. You know, like we, they hear us asking men here, women asking for the vulnerability, but are all too aware of when we are vulnerable, that women can shut down or even be resentful sometimes when a man has shown that. And Bernays said that there are so many guys who have told her that they give their woman just enough to make her feel satisfied on some level, but never to really tell her what's going on on the inside because she could lose respect or be afraid, especially if he's, I don't know, positioned himself as the strong one, Mm -hmm. or if he's the earner in the relationship, the provider, And then Bell Hooks, who's a legendary feminist author, she says that in her 20s, you know, the man that she had been dating for about a decade, she went to therapy with him. And what she found out was, oh my gosh, I've been begging or even forcing him to open up to me. And when he did and showed me like his weakness, his insecurities, I would be scared because my image of the strong man that I was with was now threatened. And so I'd berate him or put him down. So even the greatest, right, of of um, of leaders can fall prey to this sometimes. Mm-hmm. So that creates a real hesitancy in many men that like, do you really want us to be vulnerable? Um, do you really want us to open up? And there's some timidity around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um- and you, you took a poll. I'm trying to remember what the options were, but, or maybe it was just like a fill in the blank thing, but it was something along the lines of like, when a man is vulnerable with you, what do you also need from him or something? And I remember mine being something along the lines of like, that it came with like some sort of responsibility. Yeah. Um, and so it was like, if it was gonna, 
be vulnerability with like victim mentality or like something like that. I think that's when it can feel unsafe for a woman to, or like she doesn't know how to hold it because yeah, she wants like the warrior king, you know? And um, yeah. So there's something around like vulnerability with responsibility or something or like, yeah, this is, this is really important. You're hitting on this Jade. So the dividing line, I, I did a poll around when is a man's vulnerability sexy? Versus mm-hmm. a turnoff. That's what it was. Yeah. Right. And what the dividing line, and I think I had like six, 700 women respond to this one. The dividing line is if a man is taking responsibility, you remember that correctly. If he takes responsibility for his own emotions. So Jade, I'm going to break down in front of you. I'm going to show you how weak and insecure I feel right now, but this is not going to be your problem. Like, I'm going to show you what's going on in here. I'm going to deal with it. Like I'm going to go work on it or I've got therapy. I've got a men's group. I've got whatever it is, a journaling, like I'm going to work on it. I'm not going to now make it your problem. Mm -hmm. And you are not going to be my single basket of eggs. I'm going to place all my vulnerability eggs into. And now you have to tiptoe around and carry them. The, so that's very important for everybody to understand the issue though is if a man has never opened up before with any real depth, it's going to be messy the first time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe the first number of times. And Mm -hmm. to expect him to, to like be ready to take responsibility for a tornado of decades worth of emotions and weaknesses and feelings. So this is one of the things that I, I spoke about in the masterclass for women was like, listen, if you're going to, ask him to open up and you're the container holder, then you, you better have the ability to contain and hold what you're asking brought forth. Mm -hmm. And this is the same thing. Like if a man is doing the sexual foreplay and he wants his woman to be fully expressed and to let it all out and to show him everything, then he better be ready to hold her wildness or be whole or hold her, sudden changes in energy or movement or starting or stopping because if he collapses and he gets agitated or he gets upset then it's going to shut her down she's not going to feel safe same yeah. thing for a man who's in that emotional expression so so if you're not sure how far to take it because you don't know emotionally how much you can hold and you don't know how much emotionally he's been holding on to, then don't ask him to go for all of it. Just like, you know, like this is where we're calibrating together and maybe we start small, right? Maybe it's just as little as, and and this is how I work with guys and like in my masterminds who are just starting to come into men's work, you know, they'll come in with a frustration and they're agitated. And, and I'll just be like, you know, here's the thing, 99% of the time guys are in their head and my role is to guide them into their body, to slow them down, right? Get them out of their head. So Chris, you know, I, I notice, I notice as you're talking about your boss at work, like there's a lot of anger coming up for you. What does that, like, what does that feel like in your body as you describe that? Like, are there any sensations And sometimes guys are so disconnected from their body. The answer is, I have no idea. No, I'm just, I'm just angry, you know, and and they'll just, it's just like a reflex, you know, and that helps me to calibrate. Okay. Like this man is really disconnected and it's not a judgment. It's just an awareness of where he is. 
So it may require me a couple of different passes. Yeah. You know, Chris, I, I hear you saying like you're pissed off and you can't really feel it in your body. And I know that when I was doing work like this for a while, like I couldn't really feel, but sometimes I notice when I'm angry, I feel some heat on the back of my neck. I feel like a pinching in this, in this, in the center of my chest. Is any of that, you know, does any of that resonate with you? And it's just these little gentle breadcrumbs, you know, to see if he'll open up over the course of time. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that first time a victory is just him sharing 2% more than he did the last time. Right. I don't need to go. Sh- <laughs> this is, this is a, this is not a very couth example, but I think people get the point to go straight for anal on your first mm-hmm. pass at it mm-hmm. is really painful. And this is what we're talking about is going really gentle, really calibrated, very aware. Start with the thumb. <laughs> Start, massage with the thumb. If there's any, if there's any tension, tension in the body, back off. You know, I mean, these analogies, like they're, they're silly and they're fun, but well, yeah, they are I, so true. I mean, I thought about, cause you mentioned if it's the first time he's ever opened up and I thought about like, if you're experiencing sex with a someone who's literally a virgin, are you going to judge him because he doesn't know how to like take a bra off? You know, like yeah. all these little things, there's so many like ways you can take it. And then also like, uh, you know, if a man is like trying to get a woman to have sex with him and she keeps saying no, and he keeps pushing and pushing and pushing, like how violating that feels, right? you know, and, uh, and how for a man who like is not ready to talk about something and you push and you push and you push how that may feel maybe not equally violating because it's borderline rape on the other end, but, but you know, it can still feel so violating to his being that you're like pushing him to do something that he's not ready for, you know? You're saying you're nailing it is like the violating the, the emotional wounding, right. That's happening. And so, so if anything, I could say slowing down, right. Like slower than slow. And then slower than that is, is, mm-hmm. is probably a really good mantra to repeat to yourself. All women are begging for in the bedroom as Sexually, well. So. Slower than slow. And then slower yeah. than that. And emotionally, I, I, I know, Every time a new man comes into one of my groups and he's never done, you know, and, and, it, and it's helpful to ask him, you know, have you ever been in a men's group before? Have you ever done therapy before? Have you ever to calibrate, you know, how, how likely it is that he's ever had any emotional conversations? Cause that allows me to know like where I can, where I can go and with what kind of pressure, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's also, so to create psychologically safe conditions for the man to open up one of the psychologically safe conditions that's needed is for the space to be agenda free. Okay. So think about it this way, right? When a man brings agenda to sexual foreplay, mm-hmm. right? where everything he's doing, maybe, maybe for, maybe, you maybe feel it. you can feel it coming from a mile away. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, maybe all of a sudden he's emotionally attentive and he's never been an emotionally attentive guy. He's listening to you. He's taking the lead and planning, you know, the date at, at some place that you've been begging to go to for a while or, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, like he's this Prince charming. And then he puts the move on you. And for whatever reason, like that's not the night that you're into it. And then he goes haywire mm-hmm. because 
it was all a ploy, just one long ploy to get something that he wanted sexually. Then you shut down, like the trust in him has been evaporated because it was really always all about him. Mm -hmm. So the framework I give here in the agenda free is, are you bringing a gifting energy or a fixing energy? Yeah. And you can compare that to you've talked about in the past. There's a man who wants you to orgasm for his ego. And there's a man that wants you to orgasm for you. Do you want him to open up like for you? Or do you want him to open up for like, like him, but also for like the connection of the relationship. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like that, even if it's for the relationship, that's like, there's still somewhat of an agenda there, even though if, if it's for him, cause you feel like it's what's best for him. There's still, you know, feels like a little bit of an agenda, but like, it, it kind of reminded me of that, that other saying that like the ego can play such a big role in, you know? Yes. It's no secret that shame free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being and accessible expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women powered resource for game changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy to use toys and accessories are made with body safe, doctor approved materials and smart design principles. And they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show and many more including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy. I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelt A-E-R. It's called AIR. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. That's a great point that you brought up around the orgasm, right? Is it, is the orgasm, like when, when you're with a man who's like, I want you to orgasm because it's for his payoff, for his ego. And he gets frustrated when you're not orgasming. Like you can feel that. Yeah. Terrible lover pressure. So when it comes to like this gifting or fixing, remember this all just comes back to this deep desire that that you have to want to be emotionally connected. So it's coming from a beautiful place. The, The desire is coming from a beautiful place. The behavior can manifest in some funky ways, right? And the behavior, when it starts to tip into selfishness, like, you, Dominic, are not emotionally available. You are broken. I need to fix you because I want this thing. The fixing energy really is about you, where the gifting energy is about 
him. Mm -hmm. Right. And the, the gifting energy is you can take this thing or you can choose to leave it. A gift can be accepted or it can be left. Fixing feels like it's forced upon. Right. And the, the other key distinction is gifting energy almost always, I say always comes from a place of speaking to the king and the man and the fixing energy speaks to his pauper. Mm. Right. And I see your face all scrunching up. Right. So it's, and, and, and it's so easy to do that because, you know, when you've made these attempts to connect, when you've brought your emotions to him and he hasn't held them, when you ask him how he's doing and he's just fine, it can break your heart. Mm -hmm. And, and it can send you into these places where it's just like, like, God, I just need you to know what's going on. Read this book or listen to this podcast because you're broken. And this guy explains in the podcast why you're broken and why you need to listen to me and why, like, Mm -hmm. and I see women doing that all day long, like not knowing that they're just pushing their guy further and further away. I say, when I speak to a king, to the king inside of a man long enough, that's ultimately what he gives me. Hmm. When I just am unrelenting, stepping into that standard of, I see your king, I'm going to keep speaking to it. I'm going to keep speaking to it. I'm going to keep speaking to it. When you give me less than your king, I'm going to keep speaking to it. That ultimately, you have to give that to me because my will is going to be stronger than yours to shrink. Right? Mm-hmm. My will to, to speak to your king is stronger than your will to shrink. Mm. And, and ultimately, that's, I've been very successful in that approach. Now, again, having said that, there are some guys who just don't want their king spoken to and or the cost to you to speak to his king may take years, may, take, may drain your energy, and you don't want that anymore, in which case you have to make the hard decision of whether or not you want to stay with that guy and speak to a guy who's much more ready to have his king spoken to. But to a man, even the men who are not ready to go full king, when I speak to their king long enough, they eventually show me signs of it. And it's a beautiful thing to witness. Yeah. Um, I'm curious for the women who are like, um, you know, they, they desire to bring this forth in their relationship to speak to their men like Kings and, and tell him you're my hero and all this, but it doesn't feel authentic for them because they have gotten popper energy for so long. They're constantly let down. There's a lack of integrity. Um, actions don't line up with words, whatever it is, they feel really unmet. Um, that it feels like just inauthentic for them. And that's like really just a hard thing for them. What do you, cause I know you said like your will to speak to his King is stronger and that feels really empowering, but what if it doesn't feel authentic? Great. I'm, I'm so glad you brought that up. Cause I know, you know, when it's like Alison Armstrong's work, the queen's code, like I, I really enjoy her stuff, but I know a lot of the things that women who've taken those courses struggle with, they've expressed it to me. It's I'm supposed to speak to his King. He showed me no King energy. He's got, you know, like it feels inauthentic. I feel like I'm faking it. And, and I hear that loud and clear. I will not speak to, I will not, if I do not see a king in a man, I'm not faking it because it feels inauthentic to me. And it will, the way it will be transmitted, he won't feel safe with me. 
because I'm faking it. I can always find something in a man, in a person, in a human being that they're good at. Mm. That there's something that if I were to stoke the flames around that, that my love and attention to it can grow always in any human being. There's something about them. Mm-hmm. An example of this is like when I was over 10 years ago, 12 years ago, um, I was at my, like one of my lowest points to, to date. I was lost. I was emotionally armored up. And the woman in my life at that time, she was a friend of mine. We'd previously dated. She had such a hard time connecting with me emotionally, but she knew how to speak to the best version of me. She knew how to speak to my king. So the way she got me to open up was she saw that in business, that was the thing that mattered to me most back then. Mm-hmm. Like, like really like becoming a king in business. So she spoke to that part of me. She said, Dominic, I love how hard you bust your ass at striving to become the best in your work. And I know that these guys who you look up to, and she named a couple of guys, like men who I've looked up to, she's like, the two books that they read that they've attributed a lot of their success to are The Way the Superior Man by David Dada and Tim Ferriss's The 4-Hour Workweek. I bought you these books. I mm. thought you might like it. And no pressure to read them, but when you feel called. Mm-hmm. Think about that. So she's just spoken to the part of me that I want to be seen, which is like, I'm this guy trying to make it in the business world as a king. She recognized that. She also recognized the people that I look up to in the professional space. She found out somehow that they'd read these books and she ended up buying them for me and then gave them as a gift without any pressure or obligation that I had to read them. And all of that made it feel like it was my choice. I was like, wow, she really loves me and cares for me. She sees this in me. Maybe I'm curious. And those two books, like those were my initiations into inner work. Mm -hmm. Signed up for the Landmark Forum afterward. Like that was the catalyst that led to all of my inner work journey. Yeah. So to your question, Jay, just to put a, a pen, a punctuation mark on it. It's there's something in there. Mm-hmm. I know you've been wading through a lot of garbage, but there's something in there that he's done well or he's doing well. And if you can even speak to that part of him, mm-hmm. it can grow. Yeah. 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 That's so true. That's so true. Um, otherwise, like, why are you with them? Right. If you can't find that one thing. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo. Um, yeah, you brought up Alison Armstrong and everyone loves her work and I don't like it. It just like, it, there was, it has to be something in me that it's triggering. That is like, uh, for me, it feels a little dogmatic. I know there's like a Christian foundation to it too, which okay. is a big trigger of mine. So, um, I still follow her cause I don't want to like, you know, be like, no, I'm not, I'm not, you know, but I'm, uh, it's just so funny because people bring her up all the time to me and on the show and <laughs> quote her. On, like, Everyone's like, forcing you to look at her at a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm so f- proud of you for saying yes to this work and putting all of this out there. I'm curious how this comes to play when it comes to addressing issues in a relationship. Um, because I have, I feel, you know, I don't, I don't feel like I've had a very difficult time having men open up to me, but maybe it's like the men I've chosen have been a little bit more on the feminine side, possibly. Mm. I'm not sure. Cause I haven't had men struggle. It, I mean, as far as I know, I feel like I've been able to connect pretty deeply emotionally with the 
partners I've had, but, um, where I've really struggled with men is how defensive they get when I try to express a need or an area that isn't working for me necessarily. Yeah. It's, um, so I do my best to call forward as you say, but for some men, it seems like no matter what language I use or no matter what energy I come with, they feel called out instead. So I'm curious if this, um, emotional foreplay, how that can be used, uh, when it comes to addressing actual issues and not so much just opening up. Yeah, it's a great point. And it's, it's interesting. I was just having this conversation. It was a private conversation. So I can't name the woman, but she's really big in this space and you're friends with her. And uh, a lot of women who follow you follow her as well. And she expressed the same sentiment around mm-hmm. um, that when she's really expressed a need from the core of her being, it oftentimes triggers defensiveness in men, shut down, in feelings of emasculation, even with guys who are like very tapped into their emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think there's, you know, there's two things to look at here because everyone, I'm a huge proponent of everyone needs to take ultimate responsibility for their own actions, right? And behaviors. So from the perspective of the man, you know, m- most men have not really done a thorough inventory of this system of masculinity that we just kind of like blindly followed and subscribed to. And this idea that we actually can be emasculated. Um, I don't believe in the idea of emasculation. I don't subscribe to the idea of being emasculated because what that would mean for me to believe in the idea that I could be emasculated, that you could emasculate me is the fact that my masculinity is contingent upon Mm -hmm. something outside of me that you somehow have control over my masculinity and Esther Perel, who's phenomenal. Like we all love Esther. Well, I don't mm-hmm. want to say we all love Esther. I know I love I Esther and I know you do too. You know, she, she said at the paradox of masculinity conference that she ran here in New York city in 2018 or 19, you know, she's like masculinity. It doesn't seem to be this thing that's inherent to men. It's, it's something that you have to go out and earn and prove and through a series of ordeals and trials and tribulations so that you can get your man card. But it's also so very fragile in the sense that like, you know, you do something not masculine and it could be taken away in an instant. And in a sense, it's like really fragile, like trust. You know, it's, it's very similar to how trust works in that capacity. It's, you know, trust, you can spend your entire life building trust, but you do one thing to break trust and boom, it's gone. And I don't think masculinity works that way, but there are so many, it, I, I don't want to subscribe to a masculinity that works in that way, but so many guys end up getting defensive because we feel like we have to be strong at all costs. We can't feel like we're wrong because then that wouldn't make us masculine. We can't feel feelings of inferiority or weakness because again, that's not a ma- that's not masculine. It's all bullshit that we absorbed over the course of life without even thinking about it. So from a man's perspective, I think men really need to take a much harder look at like what triggers us? Why do we even want to subscribe to this system any longer? Step outside the matrix, do the work. And then from a feminine perspective, Jade, one of the things that I did have a chance to, to kind of with this woman that I was sharing with you about, like having the same conversation, 
there was some energy that she was unconsciously bringing to the table that was with and in the expressing of her need, which was totally valid. And, and the need was this, like, I can speak to the need without giving this part away, but I don't even want to go that far because I don't know if I had the permission. Let's just put it this way. The need when she expressed it came with a sense of, if you can't provide it or you're not, you're not able to provide this need right now. Mm-hmm. And I could feel it when she described the scenario to me. And I was like, Ooh, I was like, I just want you to know your need is valid, but here's, here's, here's how that is being like, here's the medicine that I'm tasting and it's bitter. So unless like you're totally clear and clean on the need. And if it's coming with any hint of like, you're broken. Mm-hmm. For man or for woman, it's going to trigger something that's potentially going to trigger something unintended in the other person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm hesitant to say this because I don't know if I'll butcher it, but someone was telling me the other day what you just said about how you don't subscribe to um, or believe in emasculation. She was saying that about shame. Uh, and it was really interesting because I was like, well, people can still intend on shaming you. You know, they can still intend on it, but. But it makes sense because it's like, if you actually question what's underneath that, like why that feeling is coming up, it, it's actually not like, it doesn't have to be shame. It can actually be like heal, healing medicine. Like right. why, why would I even feel this by this person saying that? Because if it was something else, I wouldn't feel anything, you know? And, and also that person's um, intention of shaming someone it's something else too, you know, like it's a repressed part of them. So yeah. Um, it was so much like when she said it, I was like, what do you mean? Shame's not real. Like, <laughs> I was like, no way. That's not possible. I eat shame for breakfast sometimes, you know? Well, and, and, and Jade, to that point, I just want to be very clear. Like there are times where I feel the trigger of emasculation. You know what I mean? Like I feel that coming up and, you know, like say maybe someone cuts me in line and I'm with my woman, you know, and like, do I, do I say, you know, if, if I say something, do I not say something? Like all that stuff still comes up, but I know, cause that's the programming. And it's been here for four decades, Mm -hmm. but then I have the choice to respond from that old programming, or I can choose to respond from another place. And the same thing comes with shame. Someone can intend to shame you, but I just got this picture when you were telling that story of like the Dalai Lama and like someone like, like running up to the Dalai Lama and doing everything they can to try and shame the Dalai Lama. Like the Dalai Lama would just smile. Yeah. Until you smiled back. (laughs) Right. Right. Like, cause, cause there's, there is no presence in there whatsoever. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's all our work. Yeah. So, you know, this makes me think about, um, and I'd love to go into, um, you know, the healed feminine and the wounded feminine when it comes to all of this, because, um, like kind of the example that you used, uh, if, if we're coming from our wounded feminine, like it sounds like everything you've talked about really has been healed feminine and wounded feminine, mm. right? Like fix mm. it versus this or like, ugh, you know, versus Just, the yeah. gift and yeah. 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 So the wounded feminine, the gift, uh, the, the, the healed feminine, uh, first of all, I just, I mean, we're all in the process of healing on some level, right? So Mm -hmm. like to be healed as a finished product or to be only wounded, you know, we're never, it's never quite that black and white. And I, I, and I know, you know, like, obviously, you know, undoing patterns the rest of my life. Exactly. 
So yeah. I, I'm just saying that for the listener who's like, oh my God, I'm wounded. He, you know, I'm wounded feminine. No, no, no. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's, we're, we're all fluid in that respect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say as I, my, my, my feminine was wounded for so many decades, like the ability to feel my emotions, the ability to express what it is that I want. When I started doing men's work, inner work, and getting in touch with my emotions again, then I was able to step into holding space for other men who were in their wounded feminine, like like don't have access to their feminine. Mm -hmm. And what I find so beautiful is there's nothing in, in my life right now, there's nothing that's like so much more beautiful than witnessing a man who's previously been closed down open up and bloom like a flower. Yeah. Soften, like to watch a really hardened man soften. And then, and, and sometimes from that softened place, rage comes out that's been repressed. And that can be, at least from my perspective, this is different for, I know for women, but like when I get a chance to see a man rage in a men's group container where there's a lot of, you know, safe space, it's a beautiful thing, especially when it's been repressed for decades. Yeah. Same in my container with women. Yeah. Right. It can be quite beautiful. I I know it's a different story when men and men are showing rage in front of women because there's a whole other physical element to that. And many Mm -hmm. women have been on the bit, like the, like a really dangerous side of that. But when men soften, all sorts of repressed things come out, Mm -hmm. happiness and joy, inspiration, tears and sadness. And so it's exhausting to keep all of that in there too. Like it frees up so much energy. Which, which is why, you know, men seek porn as a, a, like a puncture, like to puncture that, like, like that inner armor. They seek mm-hmm. um, extreme sports, you know, thrill seeking activities, mm-hmm. um, gambling, getting drunk. Like it's all of these like little unsatisfactory, but necessary releases mm-hmm. to hold on to. So Yes, it is exhausting. And, and really healthy feminine energy comes in in such a nourishing way, right? That it doesn't puncture anything. It just like invites the guard to come down. It loves Mm -hmm. on the armor to the place where the armor feels like it can finally rest and come down. So yeah, bringing that beautiful, um, healed feminine energy to the relationship is, is such a, gift. Yeah. And I know, I know that you say that it's really important that a man doesn't feel that you want to change him that, um, and at the same time, it's important that if that's being felt that, you know, there's so much medicine there as well, but you say that they want to be inspired, that that's what, like, that's what, where the magic is. Right. And so I'm curious, um, and if you want to add anything to that, great, but I'm also curious, um, like what if, a woman feels like she's just like shining her radiance. She's doing her fucking work and they're just not inspired by her. And the man's not inspired by her. Mm-hmm. And then it comes back, back down to like, why are you with that guy? Yeah. Like it, it really comes. So he, here's a, I just ended up reading this book that I never really thought was meant for me called no more Mr. Nice guy um, <laughs> by Robert Glover, because the book, the book I've always heard is positioned as like, this is the book that the guy reads who's get, who gets walked on in his relationships and like, you know, doesn't get the sex he wants in his relationships. And, you know, like fortunately that, that just, that hasn't been my life path. I've had other things to deal with, but 
I have a lot of other nice guy tendencies that this book really hit me between the eyes, a beautiful book. Mm. One of the things he says as a therapist, there is no such thing as one wounded person in a relationship. Right. Water seeks its own level. Exactly. Beautiful. Right. So this is, this is the thing is like, we have to have this tough conversation. Like you can look at your man all day long and see all of his issues, all of his flaws. You can complain about him. You're with him and you're putting up with all that shit. Yeah. I think Aubrey had just said the other day, like, and I don't know if it was from him, but he said something along the lines of like a relationship is only as healthy as it's sick, sickest counterpart. And so it's like, yeah, like if, if that is so true, like take responsibility, like you, like where, why did you magnetize this in? Why did you call this in then, you know, like do that work? Yeah. That makes sense. Um, without blaming and shaming and all of that, but and another thing, cause we talked about wounded and, um, healed feminine. And I know you touch on immature and mature masculine a lot and you've, you've brought up, um, you've brought up how you like the test of a man's mature uh, emotional maturity is how they talk about women when they're not around and his courage by how he stands up to other men in the presence of misogyny. And I'm so, 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 so thankful. It's so healing to hear a man talk about this. Um, but I've had partners that would put me down publicly in my presence. And so it would feel like, God, what are they saying when I'm not here? If this is like when they're, putting me down if I am here, you know, um, and that really affected my safety in those relationships. But it's so true what you said here. Um, when I'm around men and they speak about women in a certain way, that doesn't feel integral and my entire body cringes. And I also love the thought of, cause you think about like the way a man talks about a woman could feel objectifying. Right. Mm-hmm. But I also love the thought here too, of objectification, versus erotic appreciation when it comes to this. Like if a man's going to say like, yeah, she's got nice tits and ass, whatever. If he's collapsing in her into only tits and ass, yeah. then it's objectification. But if yeah. like he's bringing forth her whole being, you know, and she's like, so he's, you know, talking about her radiance and her light and she has a nice tits and ass, then fine, you know? Yeah. But so it's like really like seeing too, like if he's collapsing her into just that, you know, it's like says so much. I'm so thankful that you speak to that. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. And you're right. So like, we haven't talked about this at all on this podcast, but in previous podcasts where you and I've spoken, part of my history involves sex addiction. And I did that, you know, 10 years ago, I did four years of healing in that space. And I no longer identify as a sex addict. But one of the beautiful things I learned there was around those moments of objectification, like you're talking about, like walking around in New York City, there's beautiful women everywhere. And we would talk about in our therapy groups, like, you could collapse a woman to her ass, right? You Mm -hmm. see this beautiful ass walking in front of you and there is no other part of her being than the ass versus the mature masculine can look at the ass and appreciate the beauty of the ass and recognize that it belongs to this beautiful human being who also has a heart, who also has insecurities, who also has dreams, who also has parents, who also maybe has kids, like who has friends, who has people who care about her. And when you can, that, that's one of the beautiful things about the masculine mature is his awareness is so expansive 
mm-hmm. and deep that he can feel all of that. The immature masculine can't handle more than like that, that thing that's right in front of him that he can't mm-hmm. even see beyond. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I've got examples all day long around the difference between immature masculine and mature masculine, but that's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just want to, as we like close off this topic around, um, emotional foreplay, I just want to thank you so much again. And, um, is there, I don't know if there's like one last thing that you want to talk about when it comes to emotional foreplay as, as like, maybe, um, if a, a woman is hearing this for the first time, um, like what's a starting point for her or something like that. Cause for most women, I feel like most women are hearing this for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I'll answer that question. I also have a gift, um, for your community as well along those lines for anyone who's like interested in the, uh, the masterclass. So I would say really like this was when, when I asked women after teaching emotional foreplay, what was the single biggest takeaway? Like what was the most valuable thing? So this is not going to be a new piece of information, Jade. It's going to be a reiteration of the most important thing, which Mm -hmm. is understanding that when it comes to emotional foreplay, the roles are reversed and that you are the one who's now leading the emotional foreplay. And just like most women need more foreplay to open up sexually, most men need more foreplay to open up emotionally. And this idea that men don't want to open up emotionally is garbage. It's just the psychological safety conditions need to be met in order for us to open up. So if you can, you know, if you can just even feel into that space and recognize when you're bringing the gifting energy versus the fixing fixing energy, that in and of itself, that awareness, when you bring the next attempts to open up your man uh, or to invite him to open up, get him in the mood to open up, that will have... I I guarantee you at the very least a little bit of a difference to potentially a transcendent difference, depending on how it's, how the invitation is made to him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. So, um, before we go into the lightning round, um, you found out this year that you had Lyme and you told me something along the lines of it's not a diagnosis. It's an initiation. Was that right? Yeah. Yeah. What an incredibly empowering reframe. Um, I don't know if you, um, if you have anything to share on that, like that's not someone's, I mean, I don't know if that was your initial reaction or if it took time <laughs> to get there, but uh, that's just such a powerful reframe and, and it's just such potent medicine. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, I, if anyone, Lyme disease, I wouldn't recommend it. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a terrible experience to go through and it took this, this, you know, it's been about a two year journey of like decline in health, not knowing what the hell's going on, not getting it diagnosed, countless tests I've taken long story short, finally got it diagnosed about four or five months ago, went through two months of intensive treatment, spent money out the wazoo. And I'm only a month into the healing, like upward trajectory process. And, and I've still got another year from what they tell me of like full, like, you know, a year to get back to full healing. Mm-hmm. But like you said, the, the frame I took once I realized what I was dealing with is this is not an illness. It's an initiation into a deeper level of my soul. Mm. And 
that was the thing that was able to save me from like the darkest days where I experienced panic attacks and depression and crippling anxiety, lack of motivation to do anything. None of those experiences had I ever had previous. So Mm -hmm. I was in uncharted territory, but yeah, the, uh, the, the, the path of surrender to something deeper is at play here and having a faith that like I was getting stronger at like, there's a part of me that is, that wants to emerge, um, and allow my ego to dissolve, which a lot of is exactly how it played out. That was the thing that allowed me to keep going on the darkest of days. Yeah. Yeah. Last week's episode, um, is, a solo cast about a mushroom experience that I had. And I had gotten some, a message around illness and disease being a purification process, which is like such a hard thing to, to hear if you have illness or disease, you know, it feels, um, it can feel really hard to hear. And also there's those thoughts of like, well, what if it were your children, you know, like, um, can you still trust then? But the, the message was along the lines of like, we're, this is a part of our great awakening. It's a part of the purification process. And like, even like something I love about Tantra is that the it's Tantra, you know, teaches that everything has consciousness, everything. And so like, um, can you believe that even illness has or Lyme disease or, or the tick itself has consciousness, you know, but it's such a, I say that with utmost care because it's such a hard, thing to hear when you, um, when you've suffered, you know? Yeah. I mean, you may not want that right at the beginning when you don't know what's going on and like when you're at your lowest point, but like there's a place where, you know, when, when you've tried everything else and it's not working, right. Mm -hmm. When you've tried to distract yourself, when you try to meditate, when you try all the supplementation, when you try all the doctors, like when you try all the things and it just doesn't feel better than, than the surrender and the, like the looking at, there's an intelligence here. There's a consciousness here that like, like you were saying, like could be purifying something. What is it mm-hmm. that is, and I'm not saying that that's truth. I'm just saying that that is the most useful way that I had it. You know, I was able to look at it and, um, for anyone else who's going through a chronic illness, um, I can imagine that that frame would be quite helpful as well. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be anyone's truth because I know too, like it doesn't, it's not useful for us to fear anything because what you damn damns you back, you call in what you fear. And the medicine may have told me that so that I don't fear, you know, it's like, it was speaking that truth to me because it's the truth I needed. So it definitely doesn't have to be everybody else's. Yeah. Right. So there's a few short questions that, you know, I ask everyone on the show. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? I'd say, buddy, Life is going to be one hell of a ride. It's going to be awesome. It's going to have lots of ups and downs. And I'm going to be there for you the entire way. Love you, mm. kiddo. <laughs> You're going to be a good dad. I am. <laughs> if you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Michael Singer's uh, Living from a Place of Surrender. That is an audio book. It's different than um, The Surrender Experiment. It's not The Untethered Soul. It's an audiobook that saved me over the mm-hmm. last two years of learning how to surrender when all of your will, when all of their desires, when everything that you've tried, when your ego, when none of that stuff is working, surrender is the only thing that does. For anyone who's going through hardship or anyone who's truly looking for freedom, like internal freedom, 
that's the go-to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read it when you first uh, told me about it, maybe mm-hmm. a year ago, the first time I interviewed you back on the magic hour, your answer was the enlight- enlightened sex manual. Oh yeah. And the second time I interviewed you, which was on this podcast, you said outwitting the devil. That's right. Which those may why- have been flopped, but those were your two answers. Yeah, I remember Outwitting the Devil. I forgot the Enlightened Sex Manual, but Outwitting the Devil, I remember, which is why I came with a new one. Outwitting the Devil and this book by Michael Singer are two of like my top five mm-hmm. most impactful books in my life. Yeah. I have not read Outwitting the Devil yet sitting right by me, but I read his other, The Think and Grow Rich, I think it's called. Yep. yep. Yeah. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Even when you're at your lowest point, even when you think you're at your worst, you're still worthy and deserving of love. Mm. So good. I tell my kids every morning, I look in their eyes when I drop them off at school and say, um, you are worthy of love and belonging exactly how you are. No matter what you do, you're always worthy of love and belonging. Yeah. That's beautiful. And hopefully that sinks in with them. God, I hope so. They've probably heard it. (laughs) thousands of times I've been telling them since I mean since they were born so um some like when it was cute because when they could start talking they'd kind of like finish it for me like yeah yeah like (laughs) no (laughs) thank you so much Dom I'm so so thankful and I'm so excited for all the women that are getting to hear about emotional foreplay and and have this reframe because it's it it brings so much empathy and so much understanding in a way that makes it relatable because before it wasn't relatable was the thing. Like it's so hard to relate to someone who can't open up emotionally, but when, when it's related to in a foreplay way, it just completely makes sense. So I'm just so thankful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks Jade for the, the space to be able to talk about it. And, um, the gift that I referenced earlier is if any of your listeners are interested in that masterclass, which we recorded, I think it's about an hour and 45 minutes. Um, the masterclass is $50, but I came here with a 50% off uh, reference code for for your listeners. You. And that reference code is Jade. So we made it your name. Yeah, thank and you. I'll send it to you. So the link and the reference code, if people get 20, 25 bucks off right away. Thank you. Uh, is it okay if I promote it over the next couple of shows too? I would love that. That'd be great. Okay, cool. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Such Jade. love you love you all right you guys Uh, I you know like the the thought of emotional foreplay I feel like it could just go on and on and on of all the analogies and all of the ways that it can be used and um, I know he's just been working on it this year I think I think it's just been this year So I feel like there's like so much more gold that we're gonna come into here the more that he um, works in this and gives more masterclasses. But I mean, $25 for a masterclass, y'all, that's a really good price. So I hope all of y'all sign up. I'm going to sign up. Um, just cause I, I, I think also it's like really powerful to learn in, um, in a group setting like that with other women, because then they ask questions and it's like, I know in my program with, um, with my teacher, Layla, uh, with Layla Martin, I learned so much because other people are asking questions. And it also like, I don't know, there's this like, we're in it together, you know? Um, yeah. So I hope you guys sign up. I'm going to sign up and I'd love to hear y'all's feedback on this. Like what, what hit you? What, um, 
what was effective for you? What do you have questions on? Um, Dom is also really, really responsive on Instagram. If you want to send him some questions that you have and what he often does is like turns it into a post. That's really, I mean, obviously he won't put your information out, but he'll turn it into a post. that's like medicine for a lot of people because he does have so many female followers asking him questions about this all the time. And that's actually how he, like he said, this is how he came on to this wisdom about emotional foreplay is all these women asking him, how do I get a man to open up? So if you have questions for him, send him to them, send, send them to him. And yeah, I'll also think the affiliates, you, uh, will have the link to his program in the show notes and the code is Jade to get that half off. That's such a gift. And then there's also Gene Keys, G-E-N-E keys.com forward slash the dash dream dash A-R-C forward slash R-E-F forward slash 170740 slash. That is for uh, any program of Gene Keys. If you purchase it through this link, the show will get a small cut. And that is like a internal GPS. It is the most, he has so many courses, some are free, some are not, but they're all just right now I'm active in the dream arc one, but he has one for love called the Venus one for um, prosperity called the Pearl. So many, so many amazing programs on there. And I have an episode with him with the creator, Richard Rudd, that was just so amazing. So you can also check that out if you're interested in the gene keys, kind of like human design. But for me, it's a bit more fluid and feminine and I just love it. And then all the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com, 15% off with code Jade. I like to also pair their tools with my tools from Wands, W-A-A in ds.com. This is where I've gotten my cervical wand, my, um, my pleasure wand, my yoni egg, uh, my rose quartz anal plug. Like I've gotten all of that on wands.com code Jade gets you a discount. And I also teach women how to use these tools. So you can book sessions with me. You can turn your camera off and I can just guide you. Uh, I'm holding a women's container next year called Untamed and Unashamed, Reclaiming Your Sacred Sexuality. And these tools are um, are going to be optional rec- the recommendations uh, for de-armoring the cervix and for uh, removing energy from that area that has been... Um, a blockage or been painful. So, uh, lots of, lots of stuff to go, uh, lots of ways you can use these tools and then all things infrared at higherdose.com code jade 75 gets you $75 off. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and being on this journey with me. It would mean so much to me if you would leave a review or share an episode with a friend. You can also join me on Instagram at untamed and unashamed podcast. As always be a light, stay open and remember you belong here.